one of the things that Jesus is doing for us that we need to give a due consideration to is he's giving us a definition of faithful discipleship. And we can tend to think that being a faithful follower of God means just keeping ourselves unstained from the world. So we play this game of, well, if I can just stay away from these people and if I can just stay away from these things, then I'm being a faithful disciple. And Jesus is correcting that. He's going, no, faithful discipleship is actually being out in the world. You're listening to The Chopping Block, a weekly podcast from City Life Church where we have short, informal conversations about the Bible and the meaning it has for our lives. If you didn't get the chance to catch last week's sermon, I'd recommend going back and giving it a listen so that you can pick up with us where the sermon left off. All right, it is Pastor Andy Atkinson and Brett Wiley back in the chopping block. Tuesday. We're almost to February March. 27th. Right, right. Well, you can, can you explain something to me real quick? Why does... Every month, either have 30 or 31 days, and just February, have 28. People just want to keep you on your toes, man. Keep you on your toes. But <laughs> I think it's a good way to start. <laughs> We're here <laughs> talking about sermons, chopping block, uh, digging into the text from last week. And we were still in the math, uh, still in the Sermon on the Mount. We looked at Matthew 5, 13 through 14, kind of the key phrases being, you are the salt of the earth, and you are the light of the world. And I think it would be appropriate to start here, Andy. You expounded maybe, I think it was over a minute, I, I didn't time <laughs> it, on the goodness of salty, fresh McDonald's fries. I got a snap from a member of a bag of McDonald's fries later that day. You started something, my city group. Someone sent a podcast about McDonald's to our city group after a discussion, so I wasn't there this week, so I don't know what all happened, but I think that the French fry debate has begun at City Life Church. It made me think of Jim Gaffigan. Yes. You know, talking about how nobody wants to admit they eat McDonald's. He's like, they sell like a billion hamburgers. Right. Somebody's eating them. So do you think that McDonald's is the best French fry when it's hot and fresh? It's hard to go against the OG, man. It's pretty good. I won't it's lie. It's hard to go. Now, I will say, you know, I think their quality control has gone down overall. Sure. But when you get those suckers fresh and they salt them appropriately, yes, it's hard to beat a McDonald's French fry. It just is, man. I will say when I'm having a dark, hard day, and this might speak to <laughs> what McDonald's is, when I'm having a dark, hard day, I will stop and get a large Coke and a large French fry with some sweet and sour sauce, and not tell Emily about it. Emily, I just want you to know that this <laughs> confession on air. Hey, so ministry's hard sometimes. Sometimes you need some McDonald's French fries. The uh, only other thing I'll say, and I know this is polarizing, I do really like Freddy's French fries. I like Freddy's. I like the I like Freddy's. like the fry sauce. I like the seasoning. I like it all. Hey, this might be controversial, but you know, Wendy's changed their fries a few years ago. Oh yeah, yeah, and those are pretty good too. You know, they're kind of doing like the Five Guys deal, where <laughs> yes. they, they look more like. Fresh cut, whatever. Yeah. I, I appreciate a a uh, well fried fry. I don't want to flim- I don't want a flimsy fry. No, <laughs> got to be crispy on the outside, still soft on the inside, with the appropriate amount of salt. Okay, for any listeners still listening at this point, we're gonna now change <laughs> topics and try to talk about 
the sermon from this week. Uh, man, I really enjoyed the word. It's just the sermon on the mount. I mean, there's just such so much goodness here, and but this these phrases, "You are the salt of the earth," "You are the light of the world," they're pretty common to us in terms of we hear these things. You're making me want to go Southern voice, right? Oh, oh yeah, man, that dude, salt of the earth. Yeah, I use that phrase. Uh, I still use it, so it's there. Um, and we we probably have some relationship to this text in one way, shape, or the other. Right. Like, somehow we think we think of something when we hear these phrases. Mm-hmm. And you helped us, which I think was really good. Think about, remember, we always have to place ourselves in the context of the word, the context of the Bible, the first century, when we're talking about salt and light. And, and they mean two pretty different things than what we think of right. today. Right. And so there's tons of uses you could talk about. You talked about a few for salt uh, in that day and age, which was that it flavors, that it enhances the food to taste better. Which is probably what we think of most naturally. Right. You know, it sits on our table and we add it to food according to preference. Yeah. But I think it's a really good visual for the believer and believers that do, do I, like, does the way that I approach my faith in Jesus and live for him enhance right. those around me, enhance my neighborhood, enhance my community, enhance my workplace, bring flavor and life to it? Right. I like what, you know, Jeff Vanderstelt talks, uh, pastor in Seattle, Washington, about um, I'm switching metaphors a little bit here, but staying in the Gospels, going to the Gospel of John. His first miracle, Jesus' first miracle was turning water into wine. Right. We struggle with this as Baptists a little bit. <laughs> but, like, you know, the, the commentary at the end of that miracle is, you know, most people serve the good wine first and then bring out the bad stuff once everybody's had, had some to right, drink. Right. You saved the best for last. Um, and God saved his best for last in Jesus, right? Yeah. He is the better wine. It's a picture of himself. But he talks about how, as believers, we should bring the better wine. Like, we 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 should bring goodness. Yeah you know, to the neighborhood. Um, and I think that's some of the idea here with the salt. Like we flavor, we're, we're sent as believers to flavor the world. Yeah. Makes me think of had a mentor and this is not original to him. I don't know who said it originally, but used to say everybody brings joy into a room. Some bring it by walking into a room. Some bring it by leaving a room. Yikes. And that's what we want to be Christians. Not, not, not like this fake it to you. Make it always just, I'm, I'm smiling, making, making the effort to perform and pretend, but but a real joy should come with us when we come into a room, mm. in 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 some deeper way. So th- that flavors, and then the second thing you said was that salt preserves. Right. It it slows the decay. We didn't have refrigerators at that time. It slows the decay of the meat process, which I I think maybe that one is maybe the most abnormal, unnatural one for me. Probably for us as Westerners, although, like, when like when I went to Laos last year, right? literally, like, we're walking down these street markets, and I would see fish, like, coated in salt. Yeah. You know, and it was because, you know, these fish are going to have to endure hours outside, and that salt preserved them. Yeah. Um, so, like, I think you get outside of our context, and it's a little bit more natural. And I, th- I think that was maybe like even more central 
of an idea probably to a first century reader or listener um, is this idea of preservation. Yeah. Um, you know, Roman soldiers were paid in salt right. um, because of the value that it brought to preserving things. Mm. You'd rub it like into meat to, uh, to yeah. preserve it. So well, maybe we'll come back to like how that actually plays out as we try to do this as uh, the church, as a community. But then the third one was salt fertilizes that. And there's lots of things that be said about that, but you know, it stimulates growth. It um, can help the soil even retain water. It can kill weeds. So it's this, this, this salt was really, really valuable and right. had a lot of impact influence and influence on that culture and context. Yes. So we started there and I think maybe the most uh, impactful and maybe the thing that, that makes us think and wrestle and reflect the most is you talked about the necessity of proximity right? for salt to be useful. You said, I think salt one centimeter away from a stake is useless. Is that how you said it? Uh, well, I was quoting Dale Bruner, so oh, yeah. I, I wish I could take credit for this comment, but I can't. Uh, he said salt one centimeter away from food is useless. Yeah. That it only works when it's in contact. Yeah. Um, and that's a really compelling idea. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Martin Luther said something similar. He said salt can't salt itself, right? It's only it's only useful when it's put on to something else. And so clearly one of the principles we take away from Jesus' words is we're called to be in contact with the world. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you you kind of pitted that against the idea of uh, a holy huddle. We're not called to be a holy huddle. We're not called to a bomb shelter mentality. Let me just hide away from the world. And a lot of people might feel... Like, that's the appropriate response right now to where our world is. You know, we see uh, violence in the world. We see ideology uh, ideology that is uh, unchristian. Right. We see politics that are divided. We see just all kinds of the brokenness of our culture. And especially, you know, I think this can happen, especially for those with kids, where they go, you know, I don't want my kids to experience any of this. And so I'm going to do everything I can to protect them. I'm a father. You're a father. We do want to protect our kids. That's a good thing. But how does this play out? You know, when we're, when the first thing we say is like, I just want to protect. I want to. Yeah. No, we, we need wisdom here, right? We don't want to just immediately expose our kids to the worst of the world either. Right. Um, So we need wisdom here, but I think, one of the things that Jesus is doing for us that we need to give a due consideration to is he's giving us a definition of faithful discipleship. Yeah. And we can tend to think that being a faithful follower of God means just keeping ourselves unstained from the world. Mm. You know, and so we play this game of, well, if I can just stay away from these people and if I can just stay away from these things, then I'm being a faithful disciple. And Jesus is correcting that. And he's going, no, faithful discipleship is actually being out in the world yeah, while maintaining your holiness. You know, you do need to keep yourself unstained from the world, but you need to come in contact with it as well because the that's how the kingdom is going to come. That's how you're going to leaven the dough. Yeah. Um, so leaven only works if it's worked into the dough. Mm. 
salt only works if it's, you know, in contact with food. And disciples are only effective if we're in the world, yeah, but not of it. I mean, th- I think the the evaluation or the ref- the reflection question for us there is, and we talk about this from time to time at City Life, if I evaluate my week and my family's week or my individual week, and I'm rarely, if ever, in contact with non-believers, with people who don't think like me, dress like me, believe like me, then I need to really wrestle with that. Is that what is that part of what this text is saying? Oh, for sure. I mean, we have to live, we have to live, kind of, well, I mean, the text gives us language here, right? The other thing is salt can't lose its saltiness. So there's two ditches. One is to never come in proximity to the world. The other right. is to become contaminated by the world. So we don't want to be reflective of the world. We want to be distinct. Salt only works if it's distinct. And so we've got to maintain our distinctiveness as Jesus's disciples. Um, but salt only works if it's in proximity. And so um, I remember a story, um, again, Jeff Anderson, shout out to Jeff. Uh, it's, his, it's his morning, and I may have told this before, but I was at a training that he was doing, and he was talking about this idea of living incarnationally, yeah, like living in and among lost people as as disciples of Jesus. And this guy raised his hand and asked a question. He said, you know, I'm a vocational, pa- I'm a paid pastor, and I have all of these responsibilities, and I hear what you're saying, but, like, how do I add this into my life? Like, how do I, how do, I do this on top of everything else that I'm doing? And Jeff was, like, gracious, but he was, like, you know, one of the requirements of an elder is to be hospitable, right? which means welcoming the outsider in, and it's to be well thought of by outsiders. And he said, so if, if all of your time is being spent inside the walls of the church and all of your time is being spent only among members of the church, you're actually disqualified from being an elder. Yeah. And I was like, dang. That's, <laughs> that's convicting for myself. I can tell you that. Super heavy. And so I think... Again, but I think he's being I think he's being really right. biblical there, and, and and Jesus is saying the same thing. Like as disciples of Jesus, if all of our time is being spent only among believers, and we'll get to the the best way to do this here in just a second when we yeah. talk about the light metaphor. Um, there's a right way to do this and a wrong way to do this. There's a wise way to do this and a foolish way to do this. But if all of our time is only being spent among believers we're actually not heeding Jesus's words and living as faithful disciples. Yeah. Well, let's get to that. It's verse 14 goes on. It says, you're the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand and it gives light for all who are in the house. And then he says, in the same way, let your light shine before others explicitly there, right? So that they may see your good works and give glory to your father in heaven. Before we, well, I, I think maybe one of the ways you can help us understand what's being said here is you pointed out that the you here in verse 13, you're the salt of the earth. In verse 14, you're the light of the world. Right. Is a plural you. Right. You you emphasize that that means y'all. Correct. My, my sermon discussion this week says you all, just for to be inclusive, but, um, but y'all's a good term. <laughs> 
so you would see his shaking he- head right now if you were here in the flesh. But why does it matter? And maybe how does it change how we w- read this verse to know that these are plural use? Well, I think it turns evangelism and or or kingdom work more more broadly into a team sport instead of a solo event. Yeah. Which I think is critical. You know, it's interesting. In the very next chapter, within the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is going to say, beware of practicing your righteousness before others to be seen by them. Yeah. So, so this is really interesting, right? Because within the same sermon, he says, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. And then he turns around and he says, hey, be careful about practicing your righteousness before others to be seen by them. That could sound like a contradiction. I think the key is actually this idea of plurality. Mm. Individually, you need to be really cautious about living your life in a way to bring attention to yourself. Yeah. But it is God's design for the church to be a city on a hill. Mm. It is God's design for the people of God to be a distinct different kind of people that displays the ethics of the kingdom in the way that we engage with one another, in the way that we love one another, in the way that we serve one another, in the way that we treat one another, so that it's alluring and attractive to those who are looking in on us. Yeah. You know, and and so that helps us even think about what kind of environments are we trying to create as a church? Yeah. You know, one of our hopes for City Group is not that it's a holy huddle. But it's, it's an environment where we can go deep in the word and care for each other and talk about our highs and our lows and talk about our weeks, talk about our struggles, and invite neighbors and coworkers into that. Right. Where they just catch a glimpse of the body of Christ being the body of Christ. And it should look and feel a little bit different than any other environment those na- neighbors or coworkers find themselves in. Yeah. I mean, this is different. These people really care about each other they really pray for each other they really meet each other's needs i think that's what jesus means when he says you're the light of the world Mm. that's helpful because my next question was going to be and i feel like our society and culture in general has a pretty low view of the church and i don't mean that uh, really what i mean is is that we've lost our voice our prophetic voice to speak into things that are true and things that are good in in our society and culture and some of that's because we've done things to ourselves like we haven't cared for people well at times and 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 there's history there we know but but god wants the church to be a city on the hill right so you just spoke to some of it practically but but how do we do this in a culture that that thinks so lowly yeah. of our voice i would just say we we spend way too much time trying to regain credibility at the macro level right i i think this is hyper local i mean it you know our city groups are little outposts of the kingdom right our church is a local expression of the global church but it's our best bet for actually regaining some credibility so even if somebody's skeptical of the big C church, they can go, yeah, I don't, I don't know, but like, man, these people are really nice. Like they're <laughs> really kind. Yeah. Like they've actually met my need, or they've actually welcomed me in when nobody else would. Um, you know, and there's a peculiarity to us, right? Because 
we maintain our distinction. We're followers of Jesus Messiah. We believe he's the only way to the Father. Right. We believe that he did set some, you know, parameters and ground rules for what leads to flourishing and that there's commandments that come with, you know, him being our Messiah that we yeah. follow. And so they go, man, I don't know about all that yet, but I do know that these people have been really hospitable. Yeah. Um, and loving. And I just think that our best bet is to do this really practically and hyper locally. That's really good. No, that's really helpful. So if you find yourself despairing at the state of the church, if you find yourself reading dad on people leaving the church, the, the answer is not anxiety and stress and let me try to fix the world. Let me, fr- let me try to fix the, the whole universal church. Right. The answer is like, just start where you're at yep. with, with the people you're in community with in your local church. Yep. At City Life. That's it. And think about who Jesus is saying this to. There's a bunch of ragtag disciples, fisher right. fishermen, uh, recovering demoniacs, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, like uh, people who have just been healed of diseases, which in the first century was viewed as who sinned, you or your parents, that you would have this disease. Yeah. I mean, they were outcasts. They were social outcasts. This was a group of like labeled sinners that Jesus is now calling to be his disciples. They had no power. This, you know, so the way of the kingdom and the way that we affect change and the way that we actually reach people, we just get this so, it's because of our, our society. We think it's power in politics. Right. And Jesus is going, no, the power's in the local church, man. Mm-hmm. The power is in these little assemblies and communities of faith loving each other and loving their neighbors. I think that's what it means to be salt and light. And also, I just think about the privilege of that, the privilege that we, that he calls us to do that as this ragtag group of believers, as this people with stories and baggage that he's redeemed us and delivered us out of. Like, hey, no, no, I, my plan for the world is you, all. And you y'all. can Im- you can imagine, yes, y'all is the right translation. Uh you can imagine even the scandal of that on this group that's listening to Jesus because, and we'll, we'll finish here. I know we're getting low on time, but like there is some old Testament context and background for this salt and light language. I mean, Isaiah is rich in the, the light metaphor and it's tied to the Messiah and his people in the ushering in of the new covenant and salt was used on covenant sacrifices Yeah, in the picture. There was permanence. Um, it was a permanent covenant. And so some have argued that when you look at the intersection of the salt and light metaphors, that at the center of that idea is the idea of covenant. And that what Jesus is saying is, is that his disciples, this ragtag group, they're actually, fancy word here, they're, they're the adjudicators of the new covenant. They're the ones that are bringing the new covenant to bear in the world as disciples of Jesus. Yeah. What a privilege. I mean, these guys are going, do you know my, do you know my resume? I don't know, Jesus. I may not be the one. And and that's how we should feel. I, I don't know that I'm qualified to do this. And he goes, you're the very salt of the earth. Mm-hmm. I want to use you. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. It is a privilege. It is. Let's not miss out on it. Yeah. You know? That's who we are this week, church. We are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. Let's go and live like it. We'll see you next week. want to find out more about City Life Church, 
or have any questions about the kinds of things we talked about today, you can head over to citylifechurch.org and fill out a digital connect card. We'd love to reach out and stay in touch with you. Thanks for listening.